Welcome back, tribe. This is the African Ice Podcast, the interview series featuring Black women working in food and beverage, wine, hospitality, food justice, food media, agriculture, food science, food education, and food technology. I am your host, Tiffany Rozier, and in this episode, I am talking with executive sous chef of Uchi Dallas, Rhonda McCuller. Rhonda is a native of Ennis and a previous science teacher. She graduated from the Laporte en Bleu in Dallas in 2012 and then worked at the Marriott and started to stock at Uchi in 2015. She has been working towards reducing and reusing um, kitchen food waste. She's looking for ways to incorporate unused ingredients in new dishes. She's also a vegetarian uh, with an understanding of really beautiful flavor profiles that are rooted in cooking science. So our conversation was fantastic. It was one of Rhonda's very first podcast interviews. I thought she did brilliantly. And I also know that this community will embrace her and show her all the warmth and love that you always do. So bravo to Rhonda for doing such a stellar job. So this episode is brought to you by Global Cutlery USA and the generosity of the Afros and Knives Patreon community. Be sure you become a member of the Afros and Knives Collective powered by Mighty Networks. Afros and Knives started out as a podcast but has quickly turned into a beautiful, vibrant community. And now, without any more hesitations or delays, here is my interview with Rhonda. All right, Rhonda McCuller from Uchi Dallas, our Uchi Ball also. I guess a little background about myself. Uh, I started out uh, at high school, Dallas High School, Dallas Skyline. <laughs> you know, I would, I would give Dallas you Dallas High School, Dallas Skyline. Oh like, where did I go to high school, y'all? Where did mm-hmm. I go? I went to school. <laughs> You're good. You're good. I will tell you this. And it's something I really do kind of talk about pretty frequently is that one of the side effects of the way Black women are essentially treated in this country is that because no one really asks us about our stories and our Mm -hmm. background and our journeys. And up until last year, no one really cared. It was like, Mm -hmm. you know, people started to care because their bottom lines and their profits were starting to Mm -hmm. suffer. So it was like, well, let's get these black women in and let's talk to them and, you know, give them jobs and let's highlight them in our magazines and put them on our list and stuff like that. Yeah. And, you know, us, we can sniff out performative behavior really quickly. You know, and I started the podcast a year prior to all of this, but I've been a black woman all my life. So I understood that very few people in brands were genuinely and authentically interested in what we had to say and who we were. And so like podcasts for me started because when I was coming up as a chef, like I didn't become a chef till I was 30. Mm-hmm. And at that point, there still yeah. weren't very many black women that I could like look to mm-hmm. and reach out to and kind of go, hey, can we be in community together just so we can kind of get through this? I'm pretty sure you have found in your journey, like being in certain kitchens are super toxic and crazy and all the other things. Yeah, and, sure. and so to find other black women who are working in the space would have been a comfort would have been really mm-hmm. nice. But it, at that mm-hmm. time, it didn't happen. Mm-hmm. And so the podcast was a way for me to kind of self-indulgently find other Black women who were working in food and just making mm-hmm. sure that my experience wasn't made up. Like the things that were happening to me mm-hmm. were not like figments of my imagination. Right. And so mm-hmm. like all of these interviews, I think I'm at like 34 interviews now of all these Black women working in food, wine, hospitality, and across a lot of other spaces. And to know like, yep, these experiences are common across the board. for sure. And it's been interesting to kind of engage because some of the women like El Simone and Katina Smith and a lot of those women who have been like mm-hmm. interviewed a lot for like newspapers and mm-hmm. you know, they spend a lot of time in front of a camera or more time right. than most. It's a skill. And mm-hmm. I think that was something that I had discounted at the very beginning of doing this because it was a skill for me. Like I had never interviewed people. I'd Mm -hmm. interview people for jobs to hire them, but I've never Mm -hmm. interviewed them in order to like get their story. And so one of my main priorities was always to make sure like the women who came onto the podcast felt like their stories were safe with Mm -hmm. me, that they were safe on the platform. Like I would never put them in a position to feel like their stories were being exploited or Mm -hmm. ridiculed or belittled Mm -hmm. or devalued. And so that was really important to me. So I was very careful at the top to like interview Mm -hmm. a certain 
way. And, you know, I was doing all this research about how do you interview podcast guests? What's the mm-hmm. best questions to ask? And mm-hmm. I was just like, I tried that for about three episodes. Mm-hmm. And then it just felt forced and it felt scripted. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. so I was just like, okay, so that's not how black women talk to each other even. No. So I had to kind of no. let go of a lot of that because on my side of things, mm-hmm. black women in food media and black women in media in general, we don't have a very big footprint yet. And mm-hmm. because of that, the structures are not built for us mm-hmm. to engage with an audience. And so the way people interview, if you watch the evening news, even the mm-hmm. pace and the vernacular they use to speak with and stuff like that, you're just kind of like those spaces aren't built for us to talk to yeah, each other. And so like with podcasting, I had to realize I had to carve out a new space, like an entirely new space, entirely new way of talking to each other. Mm. An entirely new way for an audience to hear how Black women speak to one another, knowing that that was going to be new and it hadn't really been done before. It wasn't Mm. Black women talking to Black women and giving people access to those conversations Mm. because they've often been exploited or abused. You put our stories out there. We saw in the last year, you know, Nicki Minaj talked about her situation and being shot at and stuff like that. And people completely pulled that story apart and somehow they found humor in it. And it wasn't about a black woman yet again being abused and violated in her own space and that kind of thing. So our stories can often become a source for companies to make money, but they're never really honored and respected the way they deserve. So Mm -hmm. with that... I've had guests come on, you know, for me, I have to be sensitive to the fact that I have women who come on who have never had an opportunity (laughs) to talk about themselves and like understanding now two years in that the ability to talk about yourself in a natural and engaging way is a skill you have to practice. And if you Mm -hmm. never give us the opportunity to practice it, Mm -hmm. (laughs) these first few times are always going to They're going to be like, all right, click. We're done. (laughs) We're done. (laughs) I told my friends, I was like, man, I hope I make it through. She probably clicked through and I'm going to be over there like, ah, (laughs) just because it's just not what I'm used to. And having a conversation with you and the way that you are presenting this is what really, when I first learned about it, really, really honed it in for me about, okay, I can really do this. And I hope that this really happens because it seems like they're having just a casual conversation, you know, in the way that you're making me feel extremely comfortable now, just having a conversation, telling me about what's going on so we can open it up so we can have a conversation. It doesn't feel like it's something that I'm just like, well, do, do, do. This yeah, is a lot of times we are relegated to kind of feeling like we're talking through our resumes and it's kind of like, yeah. well, this is my name. This is what I do. These are all my credentials because black women typically have to qualify themselves first in yeah. order for someone to be open enough to find right. what we have to say is important or valuable. And mm. for me, I want to really build a new attitude towards who we are and not just this idea that black women are only valuable because they can produce something. Right. Or they only fit in like some mold or some one category. Look, you're doing just fine. I would never just click out of here. I'd rather use your challenge at this mm-hmm. point as an example to people as to why yeah. they should keep asking black women to be in front of the camera, yeah. to talk about our stories. Well, I will be that direct representation for you for sure is this, because I am definitely that. This is authentically me and it's just who I am. And I appreciate you just working with that and just having the forum for us, people like me to come in and, and Absolutely. tell our story and be as authentic as we can be, because that's really, really important to me. It, oh, yeah. And I'm just like, personally. I always hope that once someone hears you guys on the podcast, that they're like, you know what? We should interview her. We should talk to her. Because the more you mm-hmm. do it, the easier it gets, of course, because right, anything right. you do more than one time is just uh, your ability to practice gets there. So yeah, like, I'm hoping right. like this is that opportunity for people to go, you know what? She's right. These stories are interesting and we haven't given them the respect they deserve. So let's keep asking Black women about who yeah. they are and why their work is important. What, yeah, what it is. Exactly. So your work, is it Uchi? Uchi. Yes, I work at Uchi. I work for High Hospitality, which is basically a hospitality group that's from Tyson Cole, uh, original oh. idea, Uchi. He started out in Austin. We have Uchi, then we have Uchi Co. But I'm in Uchi, Dallas, so it's a... Uh, is it just in Dallas or do they have like... We have uh, five different stores now. Uh, we have Uchi, which is in Austin. Then we have Uchi Co., which is also in Austin, Uchi Denver, Uchi Dallas, which is where I am, Uchi Houston. And we just opened up Uchi Miami, which was part of that whole craziness that's going on. We're opening up during a pandemic. so Especially in Florida? Okay. Yeah, in Florida. So 
It's like opening the door at a regular point in life is fine, but opening door in a pandemic, okay. Yeah, which wow. might like that. So, so your role at Uchi Dallas is it's Uchi Dallas. The unique thing about Uchi Dallas is that we have Uchi Dallas on the bottom floor and then Uchi Ba on the top floor. Okay. I'm actually over Uchi Ba on the top floor, but I started out at Uchi downstairs. I opened the building. Oh, okay. Basically started out there as a line cook coming from Marriott and then so different than like yeah coming from marriott and then going to uh, uchi is very much different which kind of explains my whole my whole ride through this thing so all right i think i'm ready like how did you get to the marriott now we're yeah here we go i think i'm ready yeah so to start me out i'm a small town girl from ennis texas and grew up there and lived there with my mom me and my brother And just to give you a little synopsis of my life, because I think that's a big part of my story of where I am now and everything like that. So was your mom a cook or? My mom was not a cook, but she was an artist. And so she did lots of type of paintings. She did theater. She tried to sing a little bit, but she thought, you know, she she was good, but that's everyone's (laughs) mother's power. How about we not do musical theater, mom? (laughs) (laughs) Much better at other types of crafts and arts. Okay. But what she did was entertain a lot. And so we had a lot of kickbacks, a lot of parties, and she would cook for them. And so I would cook with her and just do that whole thing and kind of just entertain and just the love of entertaining and what it meant to her. Like it just traveled over to me as her daughter. And I just loved it. I loved it when everybody came over and everybody just hung out and essentially just loved on each other. Is your mom from the States or? My mom is from Odessa, Texas. Okay. So you guys just stayed. Texas, so we're just Texas. Okay, we're Texas. It's like we ain't going nowhere. We ain't coming from nowhere. Texas. We didn't migrate from nowhere. We are Texans. Texans. <laughs> we're blue bonnet Texans, which is rare. Blue bonnet Texans. That's me right here. That's rare for a chef because a lot of times, like almost every story involves, like, hey, I was here and then I ended up here because I wanted to cook this or at this particular restaurant. So it's rare to find someone who kind of like stays really close to home yeah. or stays in their home state and it grows their career right Mm -hmm. there so yeah I was just like okay well look I mean I feel like for me life chose for me because early on we lost our mom okay a little backtrack I have three other siblings so it's four of us it's my sister and my two brothers I'm the oldest but we lost our mom early on I always loved cooking like I said whenever I cooked with the mom Uh, I went to a culinary school at Skyline High School they have like a magnet program and so I did that for a second I always loved cooking and stuff like that. And so I went to school, played basketball, went to college, oh, okay. playing basketball, graduated, but I graduated with a biology degree at the time. <laughs> She's like, eh, no, didn't use nothing. I mean, you use a little of it. I think it helps out now, but I graduated with a biology degree. I was set to do like a nurse practitioner. And then as soon as I graduated, that's when my mom started getting sick and I had to uh, kind of readjust my life, honestly. I had to go back home, and so which is Texas. I was in Oklahoma. I had to go back home and take care of my mom, take care of my family. We found out she had stage four lung cancer. She ended up passing away like a month after we found out. And so it was a whole big thing. I went from college and playing basketball and living that type of life. And probably it was one year after, actually, I was in college. I was going to go to nursing school. I had to take care of her and do that whole thing. Then I, you know, I have my little brother and sisters at the time. My little sister was like eight. Mm. My brother was 13, and then my other brother was Chris was, I think, 19. Okay. And so all of us and our mom at 50 is passing away of lung cancer. So we go from knowing she has lung cancer, one month later she's passing away, and I'm like, ooh, I have to adjust my life. And so because I had the biology degree, I decided to go and teach for a little bit, just so I can supplement the loss of my mom, having to understand that, okay, now you're taking on guardianship of your sister and brothers. And that's just what it is. You got to step up. This is your life. Regardless of anything that I thought or anything I was going to be, this meant everything to me. So I had to readjust everything. So then I was like, I got to go and do what I need to do in order to survive. So I went and got my teaching certification and I taught for about three and a half years. While I was going and I was teaching, you know, we were all living and learning to live together. Me learning to be a mom, essentially, <laughs> guardian, <laughs> yeah. mom, guardian, this person with a teenager and a nine-year-old. It, just, it was definitely a journey for that. And then saying, you know what? I still like to have people over. We still have lots of parties. We still do all this stuff. 
maybe I do like cooking and everyone keeps saying I'm good at it and I should be a chef and stuff like that. And I'm like, what a oh, chef. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just trying to teach children to read and do math. I'm okay. I'm not doing that. <laughs> and, yeah. Everyone's like, chefs really don't make that much money and blah, blah. blah. And I'm right. like, okay, yeah, you're right. But if you have your own business, I would always try to defend the, the industry and always just because that just wasn't my vision at the time because I was like, mm. I have to get to a place where I can support my family. Yeah. So then I decided my last year of teaching that it was going to be my last year of teaching and I was going to go to culinary school while I taught. And so I went to culinary school and taught and then graduated everything. And then it was my last year. And so I was like, okay, I'm going to take a year off and I'm going to just go to different places and kind of stodge and see what the industry is about, Mm -hmm. see where I fit in or if I even fit in and just kind of test it out because now I've decided to make this big career change change. (laughs) Because I'm like, I need to feel this fashion because when I lost my mom and had to deal with that, it's just, I gave everything to everybody else. And so it was just a big, oh no, or aha, or man, I got to do something for me type situation. So I just was like, I really like to cook. Everyone keeps saying I'm really good at it. This is something that I've always wanted to do. So I'm going to just go for it. Mm. So then I took a year off. It was me and my sister at the time. And her brothers were already, you know, growing up and getting to that teenage or yeah. I'm grown type stage. Then so I have me and my little sister. And so I took a year off to take care of her and just do that whole thing. At the time, then I had a nephew. My little brother ended up having a baby. So okay. we had the nephew come, my nephew born. And so it was just a lot. Again, a lot of outside of Rhonda having to be that basket for everyone. It's just life just throws you in those curveballs, especially if you're that person. And so then I decided to go apply to this Mexican restaurant that was opening like around the corner from our house. And I was like, you know, I've been stodging. I just want to, everyone's like, you need experience. You need experience. And I was fresh out of culinary school. I really didn't have any experience other than teaching. So it really didn't help me out. And so I was like, I'm just going to go over there and just work with them and work for them because really probably won't get any pay or something like that. Gotcha. I go for an interview. I get hired. I'm there for a little bit. And they're like, well... You're too slow. And I'm like, Ooh, I mean, <laughs> welcome. I that am is very slow. Deal. This is my first job, really. I'm just here because I know I can cook. I want to learn how to do this. And I want to work in a restaurant. But with my limited knowledge about culinary, with my responsibility, all this stuff, I had to stick within that little area of comfort because that was where I had most of my comfortable state. I had a job. I was teaching. I did a lot of saving. I had security here. I had to stay. So I was like, I'm going to give it a try. And then they told me I was too slow. And I was like, yeah, I mean, yes, I am. And I apologize. So, okay, cool. I'm going to go over to the Marriott hiring. Just fast pace a little bit. Go over to the Marriott, Marriott hiring. And they hire me. And I'm like, ooh. Oh. So I'm doing banquets for them. And slowly that's a just, great space to learn, though. Like, hotels so much. are super generous and they give you a lot of space to learn. Yes, I learned so much from the ladies that I call them the ladies that work there. That's what they call themselves, too. So the ladies, because they just knew how to work, push, produce and get it done. And so being that it was my first job, like essentially in the industry and just going from being basically a single mom, because I still had my little sister and I was being present for her in the morning and then going to work at night and trying to, you know, Really juggling both things and just getting to a place where it's like it was balancing for me, but it was super, super stressful for a second there. Learning to just be in that situation without having like that precursor. Like when you have an infant, you can learn how to do this whole thing. Like all you kind of grow up together. And yeah. And so considering I didn't have that, it was just all just a real, real journey and testament to like just what I felt like was my inner strength and like everything that I think that. I'm dealt this because I'm strong enough to to do it. Yeah, through it exactly. And so because I stay super, super true with that, that's one thing I think my mom kind of instilled in all of us. Like mm-hmm. you're doing this and you're in this because it is you. Let's push past it. Let's push through it and let's come out strong and nice. expressive. Or not necessarily. She didn't really say at the top, but definitely let's be memorable in the regards of what you did and where you come from. Great. And so. I worked at Marriott for a while. I worked my way up to like a sous chef there. I was actually a banquet sous for a little bit at Marriott. And then one of my friends, another sous chef there, Ebony, was talking about how she wanted to go to Uchi. And I was like, Uchi, what's Uchi? She told me about Tyson Cole's little vision and the Uchi in Austin. And I looked it up when I got home and I was like, oh, this story is really cool. This whole expression is pretty cool. 
let's give it a try. And she was like, let's go and work on the line together. And I was like, yeah, working on the line together. I think that would be real hot. Yeah. She was a black girl. And so I was like, yeah, let's go and do this. And she basically was like, they have no white people on the. <laughs> you might, might, you might as well. This is the reality of it, though. And it I think that's the thing that I think people specifically right now is we have to talk yeah. about the fact that you didn't have any black people working in your restaurant. And that's not acceptable. Let's be real. Like that stuff is just not acceptable at this point. And to know that the experience of black women and black people in general in the restaurant spaces is typically we are the only ones. I was the only one for most of my jobs. I have no qualms saying that at this point or actually ever because it was because I'm like, you have to recognize that in order because like to your point when you were first starting. And it's like, if you don't have experience, how do you get it if you don't plan on diversifying your staff? Because it's not just you at that point. I'm like, if you open a door for Black women to come work for you and you see the results from that, like you need to open the door for other types of people to come work for you. And for that's sure. us. I was just like, nah, you ain't no Black people over here. Well, that was, like our, that was like our, <laughs> our banter. That's what we went yeah. back and forth. Like, that's what she said. And she, I was yeah. like, okay, well, let's give them two, you know, and go over and let's see what it's about. Yeah. And so she ended up taking a CDC job in Portland. And I was like, oh, wow. Okay. Wow. Okay. That's elite. Yeah. She went and I was like, okay, cool. Look I'm going to go over to Uchi and see what it's about. I'm yeah. still going to do it because it sounds very interesting to me, the core values of it and everything like the idea behind it and how it's like a very intimate setting at each table. And, you know, the core values of just the company really kind of lured me in a little bit. Nice. And so I went to stage. <laughs> I was like much different than what Marriott ever, yeah. any experience at Marriott ever had given me at that point. And I was just like, whoa. And so I remember going in thinking, I don't know about this. I just mm. don't know. You just get that feeling like, hmm, am I at this point of, <laughs> you know, two things are going to happen. They're going to see that I'm a woman or they're going to judge me about other things that have yeah. nothing to do with my skill. And I, although you know, I may not be at the level of what they probably have here, but, you know, to see my work ethic and see how much I push and how quickly I learn, I was thinking, hopefully this will be a good experience for me. Exactly. So I go in and I, and I stodge and I do pretty well because I think I can do this job because I have a good memory, you know, mm-hmm. other things that kind of helped me out a lot. I, I learned pretty fast. And so, you know, I think they were fairly impressed about that just factored, looking at all external and then making judgments as all people do uh, right. when you go in for a start or you go in for any type of interview and they end up liking me. And so I, I joined the team and I just had to work, 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 work. I mean, I imagine getting into that type of, because what is it? Is it traditional Japanese? I wouldn't say it's traditional. It's like a fusion. Okay. I would say it's Japanese inspired techniques and flavor profiles. That sounds like you definitely, of course, got sushi on the menu and things like that. And then mm-hmm. having to learn a kind of a different set of knife skills for everything that. Was different. Everything, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Everything Just was like, different. Everything was very specific to Uchi and everything other than what I had learned before I got in there. And so um, I definitely learned a lot from the moment I started to where I am now. And I, for me, I can definitely attribute to even all the obstacles that I think I've come through from when I first started to now in the position that I am, I'm in now, you know, just the experience of it and the flavor combinations and being able to make a perfect bite yeah. every time that really, really, really like helped me as far as my expression and who nice. I am as like a chef. I don't think I ever really understood the specifics behind or the idea behind being a chef mm. or being someone that's a chef or someone that deems that you can cook because you're a chef. Yeah, And just that title, I never really associated myself with it because I just didn't think it was for me. Yeah, It's like certain things that's just not created for women. Yeah. You know, it's not, you know oh, yeah. it's not for us. Right. It was not created for a woman. So in my mind, I just felt as far as like chef, it was always just very male dominated. Mm. It was just overdone in some ways. And so I never understood it. I didn't ever really learn all the top chefs and all the top people and stuff like that just because- yeah. My focus just wasn't there. It was another thing. It was learning how to cook. It was learning how to be that this is my first experience in this new industry, something like I went from biology to teaching because I had to, and then to something that I really like because I want to learn it yeah. and I want to become better at it. And I want to become that. Here I am, a lady, a woman that came into this kitchen, totally different than everybody that's in the kitchen. And here I am, I'm going to work my butt off 
yeah. and make sure that I have and get to where I need to be and where I believe that I deserve to be. Oh, know, absolutely. Based on, based on a lot of different factors, you know. I mean, look, black women will outwork you. We will Even outwork We'll you. show up in a place and not know how to do something, but we will outwork you. Early, move fast. Because the thing is, is that I think what I bring to the table and what it helps me out for as far as like in a job or in any setting is that I have street smarts in a way. And yeah. so I'm forward thinking and also I'm learning. And so in order to be able to do that, I think as a black woman or as someone that grew up in the inner city, I say inner city, but it was a small town. I know what you mean. You know, <laughs> I know what you mean. But I get it. You good. You good. <laughs> country living, but definitely in a poverty state, if you will. But I have that reference to yeah. that type of style. And so I'm going to come and you're going to think, oh, well, she's just a little black girl. Feel free to underestimate me. It's okay. Yeah. And so you get to that point And once I realized that and I realized, okay, you can cook because you know science and you know the reason why egg curdles and you know the reason yeah. why, you know, a sauce is broken. That stuff you already know because you know science. And then that was something that really interests me. And so I could understand that. So based on that one chef, I don't remember who they talked to me about. If you know how to correct your mistake, then that's when you know that you are really, truly Ooh, like cooking. That is an incredible nugget for anybody. It's just, because I do have some young folks that do listen. And I mean, if you're coming up as a chef, if you take nothing else away <laughs> from this conversation, mm -hmm. that nugget right there, mm -hmm. actively cooking and cooking in restaurant spaces, that's literally what all that is. It's just problem solving on the fly all the time. So you have a great service. That means mm -hmm. that you had minimum problem solving that night. <laughs> Even if it's not problem solving the food, it's problem solving your staff. It's problem solving a customer or a guest. And so if you have like a super smooth service that everybody was like, oh my God, that was great. And it's a rare moment. <laughs> Just like mm -hmm. everything went well. Yeah. That is one of those nights where you had very few problems to solve. And mm -hmm. then the nights where you are in the weeds and it's a shit show and everybody's lost their minds and you got a dishwasher that's walked out. You got two line cooks fighting. You got guests walking out the door. You have to keep refiring a plate, whatever yeah, that I was is. Gonna say, you got to refire the plate. <laughs> you you got to refire an order or ticket. You're refrying their food. And I'm just like, you put it up here. I mean, you just and so that for me is like, if you can manage to keep your head and problem solve at that pace, and it's one of the skills, like I'll tell really young cooks that I might have in an internship or something, like if you can learn how to problem solve at that pace, it is a transferable skill that most people will never possess. Yes. I, yes. I don't care what people yes. work in, no one That's works it. in work at. And so like yes. if you are in a restaurant, it's ridiculous how fast you have to work, but your brain mm -hmm. has to work. Even faster than that. Even faster than that. You have to forward think and you have to be ready. And so oh, with yeah. that, it just brings a lot of insight. That moment just brought a lot of insight of what I should focus on nice. and what my focus should be in order to be successful in this. I mean, legitimately, like right now, I'm fairly new into the industry, honestly, if okay. you can count my years of experience technically. And okay. I'm really getting into the, the idea of what my expression is. Nice. Just because I'm still pretty new. Like this is only like my fifth or sixth year Gotcha. 60, I think, for sure, doing cooking. Okay. And from my tenacity and how hard I worked and the realization of that one fact for sure helped me get to where I am today. Have you had any thoughts about, okay, where does this go? Like, where are you at now as far as your point of view and your culinary expression and where you might be headed in the next couple of years? So I think for me, yeah, I think I am at that point that I'm thinking like, okay, what is Rhonda? Yeah. Color. I was going to say, because year five and six, it was for me, that's when I started to have that same, like, what do I do? Who am I in this space? Right. And I think me even agreeing to do this podcast or even being at that place where I can even open myself up to listeners or to anyone else other than my little community of people at Uchi or people that I work with really is definitely a good indicator that I'm ready to be expressive of who I am as far as like a chef in this industry. Oh, that's fantastic. Oh, that's fantastic. And now we are taking a brief pause to thank Global Cutler USA for sponsoring this episode of the Afros and Knives podcast. Many people have rediscovered their kitchens over the last year, and some have even rekindled their love for cooking. I hope this is a trend that grows up to become the new normal. Cooking at home can be amazing. If you come to your cutting board with curiosity and no apologies, if your pantry and your fridge are well stocked, and if you have a sharp, 
balanced knife at the ready, like an 8-inch classic chef knife by Global Cutlery made of Cremova 8 stainless steel. Global Cutlery has been expertly handcrafting knives inspired by the traditions of Japanese sword making and only using the finest raw materials available. They have been doing this work for over 30 years and it shows. The knives are for both the home and the commercial cook and each knife has the signature global edge and it stays sharper longer. And like the samurai swords before them, each knife is carefully weighted to ensure the perfect balance in your hands. So to purchase your own knife and upgrade that knife game, I'm sure after a year you're ready to make a few replacements. Visit the Global Cutlery website, globalcutleryusa.com, or visit your local kitchen supply store like Sir Latab or William Sonoma. Cooking is a practice and a craft, and every practitioner needs the right tools to produce the beautiful results that they want. After listening to your background, I had very similar events. Mm-hmm. My mom was diagnosed with severe rheumatoid arthritis when I was 15. Mm-hmm. And so I had planned on starting college. I had gone through a summer program and I wanted to be a journalist and all these other things. And then mm-hmm. like the first day of classes my freshman year, that's when I knew that I probably would not be going to college right now because my mom was essentially a single mom at that point. Mm-hmm. And my younger brother and sister were still in junior high. My brother and I had just graduated from high school. So I was still, I, mean, I was 16 at the time, but I just knew like, okay, I'm going to have to probably really put a lot of what I want and my dreams and my ambitions on pause because mm-hmm. I need to go home and yeah. contribute and make it happen. Because my mom went from being a business owner, she was a cosmetologist, so she ran two salons and things like that. So she went from mm-hmm. that to not being able to stand up. She was crawling to the bathroom. She needed people to help her get dressed and yeah. like to clean herself. And that was a matter of weeks. And so, yeah. you know, you're 16 years old, just kind of like, okay, uh, oh I guess. Because the fact that you even yeah. have to think that way mm-hmm. kind of pushes you into light years of maturity. And you're just like, okay, I guess we're just going to have to like delay these things. And you don't know when you'll be able to pick them back up, but mm-hmm. you just wait. And so like, I went from wanting to be a journalist and then I got into a design school situation because I could do that part time. And I was like, I need a job. I need a better job than working at the mall. So as I kept going, I did a lot of things. I learned so much just going to the local library and sitting on, Mm -hmm. you know, the internet, the internet, strangely enough, was pretty new. Mm -hmm. So I spent a lot of time online looking things up, figuring out new skills. And I'd spent a lot of time doing that. And then most of my 20s was spent trying to figure out what now, because as my mom Mm kind of recovered a bit, it was like, it wasn't enough for me to be like, okay, I'm out. And I'm going to go do my thing. It was enough mm-hmm. to like, you still need to stay adjacent and be dialed in. And so it was like, okay, well, I can't, still can't go back to college yet. Mm-hmm. Ended up, of course, working in some offices. I did some independent marketing and branding work and some independent design work. And then finally, I got to that point where I was just like, I think the window of opportunity is there for mm-hmm. me to pursue something that I want to do. Mm-hmm. And at the time, I was living in Nashville and I had the same process. People were like, hey, yeah. you're really good at this. Can you cater something for me? Can you cook something here? And it was a lot of that. And so eventually I was like, maybe I should try this. Maybe I am good at it. And so Mm -hmm. like your journey sounded so adjacent and similar to mine. I was just like, I understand all of those feelings and all of those choices. It's it's really real. And unless you really live through it, it's really hard to understand it or be empathetic to it at all. And so yeah, oh, yeah, I know I kind of rambled on, but I ramble all the time. Rambler, that's my life. I ramble till I find out what I want to say. Uh, yeah, okay. so, but I mean, even the idea of not calling yourself a chef, I didn't call myself a chef for a very long time. Other people yeah. did. Even hearing other people use that phrase was uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. And you articulated that beautifully, though. It was like, it's not mm-hmm. a word that really felt like it belonged to you. Mm-hmm. It was yeah. made for us. It wasn't a title necessarily made for us. And I mean, for women, like, that's a woman. It wasn't, you know? And so for me, I had to get with it. And so, yeah. and then I had to understand what that actually meant for the younger cooks and yeah. the people who are looking up to me. And if mm-hmm. I'm telling them, don't call me chef, just Rhonda, it's fine. You know, if I do that, then what type of atmosphere am I creating for this industry and for just the work that goes with getting to this position for everybody's story? You know, I think everyone's story is very unique to them and it's going to take one. Like some people may start off a little bit different, but you know, for me, it definitely helps me understand what that means. And it just means that, Hey, 
we fought and we worked hard to get here. And so let's do it. Call me chef. <laughs> and Rhonda, call yourself chef. You're a chef. It's, that's you such a... So it's such a pivotal moment for anybody in any industry or in their own work to kind of like embrace the thing that you worked hard to become and like giving mm-hmm. yourself permission to be called that. Because I told mm-hmm. people like if you've ever been in a situation with a kitchen full of people at the time that it happened, I was managing a food program for like a private summer camp and all of my staff had zero cooking experience. Mm-hmm. When I say mm-hmm. zero, I mean, they ain't even cook at home in a mama's mm-hmm. kitchen. And they also were students from schools from other countries. So most of them, English was not their native language, but I I didn't speak any of the languages they speak in Turkey. I did not speak any Czechoslovakian. I didn't speak. So I had to take a group of people with zero food and kitchen experience who did not speak the same language and figure out how to create a kitchen staff from that. And Mm. I kept trying to do that. Like, hey, just call me Tiffany. And I realized how inefficient that was. Mm-hmm. And I was like, mm-hmm. chef was just easier. It's that name that kind of cuts yeah. across the kitchen because our kitchen was mm-hmm. huge. So mm-hmm. if I heard someone yell chef, I knew they were talking to me. But if I heard my name, it just kind of, you know, and I'm like, oh, this is really, really amazing on that moment. Because if any of the cooks that I work with right now, if they ever listen to this podcast, <laughs> they're going to be like, y'all talked about that before. You thought. And I'm going to be like, no, dude, we did not talk about it at all. She literally just said it. She yep. said it and I didn't even say anything about it. I told her, when we're busy, yeah, the easiest thing to do it will be to, you say chef, I know automatically it's one of you talking to me. Exactly. Then I'm going to turn around and be like, oh, okay, what do you need? If I hear Rhonda, I'm going to think it's a server. So at that point, I'm not even trying to listen. Sorry, front of the house. But I'm not trying to listen, you know, because I know and I understand chef means that there's an issue and I need to focus. And the fact that you just said that, I'm just, oh, man. The word chef, it infers leadership. Yeah. And that the person who's leading a dinner service or a team. It's like coach or anything yeah. like that. Or even mom, it cuts through. Because chef carries so much weight and responsibility. Because like chef is the last stop. So if something's mm-hmm. going wrong, your station's falling apart, you're running out of product because you didn't prep enough that night. You know, you went into the walk-in and you ran out of something and it's not there. The word chef infers that that's the last stop. The person who is ultimately responsible for making the decision to 86 something or who's who's going to come over and support me getting back on track. Mm -hmm. That's that person that's been designated to do that. And so like the word chef for me is just akin to yelling, you know, captain, anybody in a leadership position, you know, like when you're calling Mm -hmm. on a parent, if you're saying mom or dad, you're calling on that one person and you can't figure it out on your own is the person mm-hmm. who's going to come and help you get through or help you problem solve something. And so, yeah, that's, Pay that was up. the moment that I was like, oh, that's what chef means. Oh. I don't care what all these misogynist fools have been thinking it meant, but yeah. that's really you what have to it disassociate, So then you can really accept the real idea behind what it is and what yeah. you're expressing and what you're representing. Once I did that, it's kind of one of those things. It's like when I was teaching, I had to understand what some people get pissed whenever kids say miss or something like that. But at the end of the day, miss is much faster than saying miss McCullough, you know, and that's still essentially saying the same thing, you know, but. And it separates you from everybody else. Like, you know, if you can. Everyone else. And it does. That was pretty important as far as like just awareness. And I think daily I try to find those moments that. I understand more just because, like I said, I feel like as far as other people that's been doing this, it's like 10 years and 20 years and stuff like that. And so I feel like I'm at this early pivotal moment where I'm like, okay, what does this industry really mean? What am I trying to get out of it? And what is my expression in it? Yeah. And so oh, yeah. that's pretty much where I am. You caught me at that moment of, that's of, perfect. My identity of who is Rhonda? Who is Chef Rhonda? What does that mean? And so- I'm there at that place. And I, honestly, it's like, you ask me, what does it mean? Uh, it's like, I don't even know yet. That's the thing. <laughs> it's like, I know, but I don't know. It's like, yeah. I know what I want to do. And I want to bring vegetarian awareness because I'm vegetarian, okay. essentially. And so I work at a sushi or a Japanese restaurant, you know, and I think that's weird within itself. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, is this counterintuitive? I don't know. Yeah, I, yeah, yeah, exactly. Not, yeah. Well, but you have to understand that this is my growth. This is like my home. It's kind of corny because Uchi means home. So that's corny correlation. But it really, really is because it's where I feel like I got the start and the insight of what the culinary industry can be, who the names are and what they're doing and how important it is to actually know 
be in the know of the community that you're representing. Yeah. And that goes with every aspect of that, like as a Black woman, as a woman, as a chef. Definitely. As a sister, a mother, all those things. You know, what does that mean and what does it look like? And so, you know, yeah. one would think that you are vegetarian, so you should be working at a vegetarian place <laughs> and doing all this thing and stuff like that. But I think I get the most pleasure out of making a vegetarian dish. What I try to do, like... Most times make vegetarian dishes that are extremely meaty, extremely flavorful and extreme, like a delicious and pair that with another non-vegetarian dish and just try to figure out what my expression is as far as like correlating those two things. I know for sure I wouldn't say that I want to go out and just be a vegetarian chef. Gotcha. Even though I think that being in that movement and helping a lot of people understand like what that is and what that means to be a vegetarian or how it helps your body, how it helps this, how it helps that, or how it doesn't, you know, because if you're a vegetarian and you only eat processed things, then essentially you're not very healthy. But I think my expression is the holistic side of culinary. I've never lost biology. I've never lost like the science of life. Nice. And so just the expression of utilizing food to be a source of And I tell people, like, we talk to most chefs, most of us have lived a a second life before we became chefs. And so it's really always, we're trying, we're uh, even Mm -hmm. unconsciously trying to find ways to tie Mm -hmm. that space in or tie those previous experiences in to what we do as chefs, because it's a, it's definitely an expression of who we are because we chose that profession for a reason. And it's like, now we can find like where does that fit into what I do mm-hmm. right now in the kitchen? Um, so like as a like as a for, like as a graphic designer, I was always I'm constantly kind of finding new ways to express myself in food in the same way I would have expressed myself as like a graphic artist because it's like okay, mm-hmm. so what does that look like? What does that look like in plating? What does that mm-hmm. look like for what you want to say with a dish? So yeah, I'm like biology for me and this season of the podcast, I'm going to have a heck of a lot more like food scientists and stuff on this season. Mm -hmm. So like, I love the fact that you're like making sure that you continue to kind of thread the science of it all into what you do now. Cause I think that, I honestly think that that is going to be a huge part of what builds the future of food Mm -hmm. within the black community specifically Mm -hmm. is kind of tapping into technology and science as we mm-hmm. like, redevelop and reimagine what soul food looks like, what black food looks like and all those things. I think we're going to be utilizing a lot of those particular tools to push our food into the future. Yes. I'm excited to see how that translates. I feel good about it. It feels good to say it and it feels good to just come to that place to where I'm getting more comfortable with understanding it nice. and just understanding that that is a major part of me. Like It's definitely something that I guess my journey up until this moment was to say and to express that because no matter what, like I try to make sure that we're using all the the seasonal things and doing as most healthy things for you. And not necessarily, you know, you can talk about healthy, but not not healthy. It's stuff that's feeding and fueling your body. I I like the way you phrase it. You said thinking about food holistically. So like this idea of wholeness in eating is really different than even healthiness in eating. Yeah. It's not really, we're not talking about healthy. We're talking about just being wholesome with what you consume and being yeah. more aware of it. I think it's very, even for myself and my journey with it, with everything in my expression, you know, just being more aware of that and what I am eating and how I am presenting myself as far as my food and stuff like that. At Uchi, one of the really cool things is that you get to do like specials and you get to basically put your food on the menu before you have your own Mm. of who you are like your own restaurant yeah. or whatever those so are my favorites yep <laughs> yeah so everyone can essentially put a dish up like we have monthly special tasting and so that is another thing that kind of kept me there because i'm like okay here at this spot i can practice my craft mm. i can express myself like on a menu and let people taste it and see how it feel how it's received and then i can like you know work my way up get the credentials that you need in order to be and move in the industry and so it's just something that really, really, really lights me up. And so being that you can put on specials, I try to put on vegetarian specials, but I'm I'm like, if we're honest, like people don't buy vegetarian things. And not yet. Vegetarians not don't yet. come to a sushi restaurant. <laughs> you know? Not yet, not yet. We not yet. Not, we get there. not until we get the vegetarian sushi. Yeah. You know? Which is very that's a whole nother thing. Like look. <laughs> 
She's like, I'm working on it. I'm working on it. It's, you know, I mean, is there anyone you're currently watching in the industry and you're kind of like excited about their work right now or what they're getting into, what they're trying to develop? Have you had your eyes on any specific chefs, even outside of Texas, who are just like doing really interesting shit right now that gets you excited that you're looking forward to seeing whatever comes up? Again, before, I don't really look at other chefs. You see, I'm very awkward, I guess. You know, people always say, (laughs) this is a real tape and this is authentic me, y'all. I'm super, super awkward in some ways. And so I don't really idolize in a way. Like I look and see and I check and I see what people are doing, but I don't have a lot of favorites and I don't really look up to people in that regard. Like I look and see what people are doing. And if I say, it's not like intriguing to me, like as far as like a style or food, but as far as what they're doing for like the community, like we have a friend of a friend, Tiffany Derry, she's Roots Kitchen. She's been on Top Chef and stuff like that. And so she's in our area of Dallas. She's been doing really cool things with her fried chicken shack. I shouldn't call it fried chicken shack. I'm sorry, Tiffany, but It's fried chicken, but she does really cool things with the community and stuff like that. And so, uh, you know, I really look up to people like that that's doing nice things like Dawn in Houston. Okay. She's on Top Chef right now. I mean, I haven't seen any episodes of Top Chef this season. Yeah. Seriously, though, I don't really like look at them. Honestly, I think I get my inspiration from the people that are around me intimately. Gotcha. And so it's really, I was talking to my godmom. I was like, you know what? This is going to be an interesting interview because I'm not one of those people that just, I look Girl, at one person and I'm like, oh man, they're doing this, 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 I and I got names of people. There'll be two interviews and all the Black women I know, none of us are like that. When yeah. we talk about each other, it's not about idolation. It's usually about what's going on over there. How can I yeah. support you? What are you doing? Yeah. How can I be a part of it? But all the Black women I've interviewed, there's just no name dropping. A handful of us might have stodged in some really notable restaurants, but most mm-hmm. of the time, it doesn't show up in resumes. It doesn't show up in bios because we're not interested in the clout of cooking. We're interested in the work. We're interested yeah. in what we do to change how things are working. So like recently, Omar Tate in Philadelphia, he mm-hmm in the times 100 and so but essentially it's because of his work in west philadelphia building better food ways building better access to food for people in those neighborhoods so like most black chefs have no interest in being famous we're interested in being productive we're interested in affecting change and so you are not in that space trust me you are not alone most of us like we can probably give you a first name of a person who's doing something really (laughs) cool but we can't give you nothing else my motivation to ask that question of people is because i don't live in texas and so i don't know what's happening in texas because i'm not Mm. there i know what's happening in new york i know what's happening in philadelphia because those are two areas that i've lived in that Mm. are important to me and so i'm constantly watching the work that's happening there. But when I ask other people, I'm like, who are you looking at? Who are you watching? Who's doing really great work? And that doesn't necessarily mean, are they cooking really great things? Are they implementing community gardens? Are they affecting change in their local community when it comes to food? Are they doing something exciting or worth paying attention to? Yeah, definitely. Tiffany Darius, she's definitely deep in the culinary scene and in our community. So I would say her for sure. Like she's definitely, more times than not, I see her doing things for the community. Like right now we're going through this big thing and she's giving free food for people. There's also Misty Norris. I mean, I don't want to sound like I'm just shouting out women, but Misty Norris. By all means, please do. Look, it's Black History Month right now and next month is Women's History Month. Shout out whoever you want to. Misty Norris, she's a really cool chef here in Dallas and she does really cool things. And she's also doing food and free food for people that need help or need something like that. I know John Tizar is here in Dallas. He's doing pretty, really nice. I feel like those people need to be talked about for multiple reasons, especially for the, the situation that we have going on here. They are the people who I've seen doing things for our community. And so for me, I think that Dallas lacks that expression. Okay. Um, when I went to Portland and got to experience that culinary scene, it's much different than what I've ever experienced here in Texas. And so I think with that like awakening and that awareness of the option of that, like the Gleamers, I think, Gleepers, Gleamers. It's an organization that takes all the leftover restaurant stuff and they make meals for like homeless people and people in need. I saw that and I was like, wow, that's what I want to do. That's what I am. That's what I do. (laughs) That said Rhonda to me, you know, Chef Rhonda, that spoke to me. And so Those are the people who I would say, if anything, I'm looking at Tiffany and I'm looking at her like, yo, I need to be out there. I need to be expressive. I need to be expressive of what is within my core self, what I feel like 
Chef Rhonda is and that image that I'm trying to create for her. Because if I'm honest, this is a business of, and we're in the business, we're in an industry, we're in an expression field. And so if I'm going to be successful as far as like what the outside, what you would look at and say successful, like at the end of the day, I think to be successful or to be someone that I would say is successful is someone that has their own business and they're doing an expression to as who they are and what they are as far as in the color. Like Tyson, I was like, yeah, you're pretty successful because you had an idea you took it, you manifested it, and you brought it to fruition in full force. And so you have five different stores. Okay, yeah. cool. Rhonda, what is that for you? And what does that look like? And who are the people who are a reflection of that? And so Tiffany, for sure, Misty, John Tizar is doing it. Those are people at this moment that I feel like represents me as who I want to be in the community. Like I like to feed the homeless and I like to serve people and I like to do things that are, you know, we have a lot of waste and we have a lot of food that we threw away. And so I take that waste and I take the food and I make plates for homeless people and I take it out and pass it out to them and give it to them. That's like something that fuels me and keeps me going to a place that I feel like, okay, I'm still active. I'm still doing something that I know that I'm truly passionate about. And I know that at the end game, that's what I'll be doing is serving and giving to people and not just making food for people who can afford it. But, you know, doing that in a way that is expressive of who I am. So. I mean, and you know what? And with that, I will not continue to make you suffer through an interview. I mean, that was a brilliant way to do it. (laughs) Congratulations. You made it to the end. (laughs) Well, so before I have to copy and paste and copy (laughs) and do what you need to do with it. You did brilliantly. I will say I rarely. (laughs) No, you're good. It's not ramble. It's a stream of consciousness until you find exactly what you were trying to say. No, you were brilliant. And don't second guess your story. I think part of the process of doing this, like mm-hmm. this, it, just being engaged in this activity is you get an opportunity to find clarity about your own story. And because mm-hmm. you have to keep saying it, you have to keep yeah. telling people. And it helps so me it, keep honest to it and really, really commit to what I'm thinking. I truly, truly appreciate you because you popped my cherry. Okay. <laughs> Can we say that? Absolutely. <laughs> I, am not to, uh, I don't censor these episodes. You're good. Oops. She's like, nope, that's fine. That's fine. You're good. Okay. Yeah. But for real. And so I really appreciate it. And I really am grateful of the fact that I can say it and express it and say, and it opens me up to the fact that, yes, this is where you are. You know, you've come from losing your mom and you are Rhonda McCullough. Okay. Well, you're what a chef. Rhonda McCullough. Yeah. You're this. But at the end of the day, I lost my mother. Yeah. I had to take on being kids. I had a lot of loops and turns, you know, I feel like I'm not glamorous and I'm not all these things. Like I don't have all these names to drop. I don't really know that much about like outside culinary world besides Texas. But what I do have is definitely the heart and the story to tell that shows that you can come from whatever it is that you come from and the pain and, and all those things that are associated with that. You can come from that spot and then keep working and keep pushing and be successful is what people think. I mean, I think I'm successful. I can take care of my family. I can help my family when I need to. I can be still that person that we lost in my mom. I can be that person, you know, and so. Because that's big energy to lose. That's big energy to lose, yeah. And and to be able to come from that, to have to teach for a little bit and then having to go to the career and my true expression of who I know I'm going to be. I can't wait till we have our next conversation. It will be better than this. (laughs) Whenever, you know, know, when I'm feeding the community and and I'm able to tell you you know when I'm you know seriously and I hope we stay in contact and I hope that we'll do this again and you'll see the growth of it because because of this I feel like I have not just the confidence and not just all those things but this has definitely opened my mind up to how like just the awesomeness of people again like this is awesome that you're doing this for people. You have me on your show now knowing that this I is know. going to be an interview I, of my life. <laughs> I tell people, I'm like, look, I've gotten to a point where I have so many people, like I'm when I'm sitting on like Instagram or something, I am constantly saving people's profiles and stuff because I come across women, specifically Black women, like just doing really incredible things in the world all these interviews are a way of me telling other Black women and reminding Black women that your story has and holds a tremendous amount of value. And mm-hmm. to not 
allow anything to convince you otherwise. And I think that's a big part of why we kind of shy away from these types of opportunities is because it's like, well, what, how is my story valuable to anybody? Like, why would anybody want to hear from me about this? I'm not really out here doing these types of things. And I'm just like, but well, yeah, but the people who think they are, aren't doing anything either. So yeah. And the minute we get into this a conversation and they start to hear their own story and they start to talk about it, you're like, wait a minute, I didn't overcame some shit. I didn't did some things. I didn't, I had like, yeah, like go backwards and you have to tell somebody else about it. You're like, oh my God, I didn't realize that my life can offer up that much value to another person hearing it because mm-hmm. like someone's going to hear it. They're going to be going through a very similar journey and not think that there's light at the end of the tunnel because they're going to be right at the beginning of it when it's still fresh. Mm-hmm specifically because we're living through a time right now with like COVID-19, people are losing their parents and their grandparents. And and there's just a lot of loss right now. And so for Mm -hmm. someone to come on here and hear that you had a huge loss in your life early on and you have girl, and then you had to take a different path to where you are now. You know, it might feel like you're being completely detoured, but sometimes you're just being deferred because you are choosing to put something else before what you want. So mm-hmm. when the time comes, the universe pays you back mm-hmm. in dividends because it's like, well, mm-hmm. you were generous and you mm-hmm. submitted to giving of yourself in such a huge way at a time where you needed stuff too. Mm-hmm. And it was yeah. like, but you kind of gave from what you had. And so the universe responds to that with abundance. And it's like, well, what mm-hmm. do you do? Now, how can I help mm-hmm. push your dreams forward? Because you helped other people push their dreams forward. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I think like someone being able to hear that and connect with that moment and go, okay, so this is hard. This is painful right now. But I know in time it becomes less hard and the pain develops into purpose and I can yeah. create the life I still want, mm-hmm. even if it's later. And, you know, if, yeah, because I mean, I'm a late bloomer. It's like I got my boobs late or something. Um <laughs> But sorry, I'm, no, I'm ridiculous. You're fine. No, go ahead. Yeah. But I'm a late bloomer, and I feel like this is the early part of my my career and who I am as as a chef in this industry. I don't want anybody to think that hey, whenever I did go to Uchiha, there was no problems as a woman or a black woman, or I didn't have to work my ass off just from that moment from losing my mom. But you know, we all know about what those moments are, and we all know that that it happens. And so I think it's just a fuel, like a part of our fueling agent to get us to where and how to keep pushing because we are, we are strong. Well, how can so. the people follow your journey? Like where can we connect with you and like just cheer you on and encourage you? And trust me, when people hear interviews on here, I always get reports back that like, hey, someone so reached out to me and they want me to jump in on it, help them do a mm-hmm. project or do something. So you just never know who's going to tap mm-hmm. you on the shoulder and be like, hey, we're trying to develop a program to help eliminate food waste. So, yes. you know, right. we would love to jump yeah, on. No, every time I see that, <laughs> time I see that it's like a, uh, one of those big billboards that's just like, Rhonda, Rhonda, Rhonda. That just speaks to me for sure. I'm on Instagram, but I'm really not on Instagram. So I really don't have any social media, but I'm going to get some. Just for... Okay. <laughs> no pressure. Just like whenever you feel like you got something to say, get on Instagram. But it's put- just for Chef Ronnie McCullough. Just for me. Because I honestly... I try not to live in the system of it. And I try to be like, okay, I can be over here behind the bush and just do what I do (laughs) as far as in my community and stuff like that. But if I'm honest, I want to be able to be expressive in a way and be that voice for people and people that's come from situations that are similar to mine. And so just- So I mean, email? Oh, email. Yes, I have an email. I am on Instagram, J-U-S-R-H-O-M-C, just Roni Mac. It's not really Mac, it's M-C. J-U-S-R-H-O-M-C. Don't harass her on the Instagram, but if you have something valuable to offer or you want to just be connected because you find her to be a valuable person, but don't be on here harassing nobody. Yeah, that's my that's point not- right now. But, you know, at some points I'll get more things and be more expressive in this community for sure. Just as time died down and I can be more focused on this moment and in my expression, you know, just as you know, sometimes those things that happen in your life, you get your focus on that and that's what you're focused on. And so now I'm at a point where I can focus on Rhonda and what my expression is as a chef. And so I'm really happy to be at this point. I'm happy to have had you on. Like I said, I appreciate you not hiding your light under a bushel anymore. And um, (laughs) just just go ahead and be out here. Just go ahead and be out here. hundred percent. I guess I am out here, but you know, I'm still learning to be here, honestly. So that's cool. That's cool. And like I said, I look forward to like because 
again, the more you do this, mm-hmm. the better you get at it, the more comfortable you get. So I have no doubt that eventually we'll see you come across the screen somewhere because you didn't started something and changed something in your community and contributed in such a way that people want to come talk to you about it. So I have no doubts yeah. about that. I truly appreciate that. That is all for this week's episode. I want to thank Chef Rhonda for joining me this week. And thank her for a fantastic conversation and for allowing us a little glimpse into her life. To learn more about Uchi Dallas, visit their website, uchidallas.com. Be sure to check out next week's conversation with a Los Angeles-based culinary producer, founder, and principal of Jaconi Studios, Kiami Moju. I'm just, y'all gonna be so excited about that. I mean, at least I was. Maybe I'm being self-indulgent. Anyway, special shout out to the Afros and Knives Patreon community for their continued financial support. This show thrives because of your commitment to supporting it. As always, you can head over to the Afros and Knives website, afrosandknives.com, to sign up for the email list, listen to past episodes, buy Afros and Knives merch. And check out all the links and resources in the show notes on each episode page. If you enjoyed the show and you would like to support the podcast, please remember to share and subscribe. We are on YouTube now with all of our video content soon to be on actually a new streaming platform so i'll keep you posted on that but yeah right now we're on youtube and you can just look for you can just search afros and knives or you can go to the website and the link is there as well so yes share subscribe post engage in the social media content engage in the conversations you can leave comments on each episode page for our guests to let them know how their story has impacted you as well as leave a rating and a review So to catch all the latest from moi, you can follow me on Instagram at Chef Tiffany Rozier and on Twitter at Tiffany Rozier. So that is all for this week. Well, may you be held in loving kindness. May you be happy and safe. May you be healthy in both body and in mind. May you live a life of abundance and audacity. And may your heart be at peace. Until next week, you guys take care of yourselves.